If you would open your Bibles to Colossians 1.28, I know normally I have a Bible study, and so I'm going to try to have a little bit of a feel for a Bible study. Uh, I've been known to be a teacher-preacher. I'll try to teach, and then I start preaching and back and forth, and so you'll get a feel for a little bit of that, uh, most likely, and we're going to be reading in Colossians 1.28. Are there any young adults in the house tonight? Any young adults? Any adults who feel really young? Praise the Lord. All right. Uh, we have this verse in a ministry called Kappa Chi. Is there, uh, y'all know Kappa Chi here? Amen. Uh, we, are, we are from Kappa Chi in Kingsville, and so I wanted to share our heart of um, Kappa Chi and also um, from my heart for teaching the word. And the word of God says in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Father, I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to speak your word this evening. God, I ask that you would uh, anoint our hearers, uh, anoint our hearts, God, to receive your word as seed planted in good ground. God, I pray that if there are any who are downcast, that you would lift them up by your spirit tonight. If there are any, God, who are lost, that they would be found in Christ tonight. Lord, I ask that you would have your perfect will and your perfect way uh, in this house. We love you and we thank you for giving us your word. In your name we pray. Amen. So I want to share uh, just a few things about from this verse. And the first thing I want to uh, bring out is the very first statement that we proclaim Christ. Okay? We proclaim Christ. Not they, not others, not some other being. We proclaim Christ. Christ. Uh, the, uh, Dr. Luke in the Bible in Acts says in Acts 1.8 that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Sumeria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, you're going to be the witness. Not some angel, not some alien, not some uh, robot. He said, you're going to be my witness. You and I are called to be witnesses of God to this world. You and I are called to be witnesses in our schools. If there's anyone here at CBC or in high school or in middle school, we're called to be witnesses in the workplace. We're called to be witnesses in home. We are called to be the witness for Christ in every place that we go, whether it be school, work, home, or in any place in public, we are witnesses for Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. Uh, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, uh, I believe, chapter 5, that we are Christ's ambassadors. It's as though God were making an appeal through you and through me to the world that he loves the world and he gave his son uh, for the world. And we are his witnesses, not an alien, not uh, an angel. In fact, there's a story in uh, Acts chapter 10 of a man named Cornelius. This man, he was a, the Bible says of him that he was a God-fearing man and that he was a man of good works. He gave alms. Uh, he was uh, very well respected and God, it says, took notice of him. But because of, uh, just because he was a good man, just because he did good works and did good things uh, and God took notice of him, that didn't give the right and that didn't uh, allow God to go and save the man just the way he was. And so the Bible says of Cornelius that God gave him a vision and the vision was to go call a man named Peter 
Because Peter had a word for Cornelius to hear. And while God was working on Cornelius, he also went and he spoke to Peter and he said, uh, I have a word for you to speak to a man that you don't know. And in fact, this man is a Gentile man. That means he wasn't a Jew. Because up until this point, they believed that the gospel, that salvation, was only for Jews. It was only for a certain kind of people and not for everybody. But God was about to change that. And so Peter goes to Cornelius' house and he starts to preach the word. He preaches Christ, the Bible says, that he preached how Jesus was approved by God and was proved by God to be the son of God. Now, he did miracles and signs and wonders and how they put him to death. But three days later, he, God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that while he was speaking, the Holy Spirit descended on Cornelius' house. Because Cornelius was a God-fearing man, and all he needed was to hear the gospel. He was ready. He was ripe. He was uh, ready for, uh, to give his heart to Jesus, but he didn't know how or didn't know what. And so Peter comes, and he gives the gospel. And here's the point, is that God is going to use you, and he's going to use me to go give the gospel. He's not going to use your pet. He's not going to use uh, the Internet. He's going to use you, and he's going to use me to go reach people. We proclaim Christ. And Peter goes and he gives the gospel to Cornelius. And it says in Psalms 4.4 that he makes his winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. If you remember in Acts chapter 2, I'm teaching the book of Acts this summer. So if you hear me refer a lot to Acts, it's gonna, that, that's why. Okay? In Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost... They said that there is a loud sound of rushing wind when the Holy Spirit came and that tongues like a fire came upon their heads. And when I read this, I imagine uh, a friend of mine told me once in Kingsville, there was a tornado. I wasn't in Kingsville at the time. And when after the experience, he said that it sounded like a train wreck. He said it sounded like a, rain, a train derailing and it sounded uh, loud and it was chaotic. And you can just, it was uh, something that they went outside to try to hear. You don't go outside during a tornado. But they went outside to try to see what was going on. And this was a mighty, a sound of mighty rushing wind. And he says in Psalms 104 that he makes his messengers like the winds. And in Acts 2, this was an appeal to hear, to listen, to everyone around who is there at the time, listen up because God is about to say something. And when the fire comes, this was an appeal to see, pay attention. When I, when I teach on this, I usually bring up the point that this fire that was on their heads was not meant for burning. It wasn't meant for heat. It wasn't meant uh, to roast marshmallows. Okay? The fire that was on their head was for brightness. It was for light. And God was making an appeal to everyone around to pay attention, not only with the ears, but look, I'm about to do something. It reminds me of the time that we were able to go to uh, the Amazon. I went with Pastor Isaac in 2008, and on one of our journeys from one village to the next, it was the middle of the night, it was a bad storm, and uh, I think uh, at the time there was, they had lost uh, control of the boat, they couldn't steer it, and so... You know, we begin to pray, right, to God, you know, let everything be safe. And it was completely dark. Um, we didn't know, I didn't know which way we were going, whether we were going left, right. I didn't know, I, had, I lost my sense of direction. But then I saw one light start floating this way. So I figured, okay, we're, I'm moving that way, and there's a village probably over there because I see a light. 
And then I saw two, three, four lights, and yeah, that was the village. But I remember the feeling that I had that there's something over there, and if something happens to the boat, get to that side because there's people there. There's a village. And this was the light of God, not just in the village, but here this is the light of God saying, pay attention because there's uh, something that God is doing. There's something he wants to say. And Paul tells us in Colossians that what we say is we proclaim Christ. You and I, like light, uh, like the light of God, like the winds of God, we proclaim Christ. Pay attention. Uh, he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, that we preach Christ. It's the same um, the same verb as uh, proclaim. And I like to say in, back in Kingsville that we, we like to proclaim Christ not only with our lips, but with our lives. There is a, an old saint, uh, I think it was St. Augustine that said, preach Christ. And if you have to, use words. And God bless St. Augustine, but sometimes I disagree with him. Because if you ask the Apostle Paul to preach Christ without using words, you wouldn't have any of the 13 books of the New Testament. Words are important, and it's important for us to be able to articulate and tell the gospel of Jesus uh, to any and every person. And I like to say that we have to be able to speak the word of God, but we also have to be able to live the word of God, to not merely love people with our words, but also to love people with our actions, to let our lives speak of the transforming power of the gospel of Christ. We proclaim Christ not only by what we say, but by what we do. And it is a testimony of God that he has changed a drunk to a sober man. When he changed a thief to a man who is generous. When he changed the homosexual to a straight man. When he, when he changes a lying man to a man of truth. When he changes a man who is perverted to a man of purity. It is a testimony to the power of God when we proclaim Christ. Not only by what we say, but by also what we do. We proclaim Christ, not the Christ of the romance novels. We don't proclaim the Christ of the football jock, big, strong Christ, right? I have a, uh, I have a workout bag that I rarely use. But on the workout bag, there's Jesus doing push-ups with the cross on his back. I'm sure you have seen that before, right? We don't proclaim uh, the Christ of the football jock. We don't proclaim the Christ of the intellectual who is only an egghead and only uh, uh, sense to the gospel of God through the mind but doesn't feel it in the heart. We don't preach Christ of uh, the philosophers, but we preach God's Christ. We preach Christ, the son of the living God. We preach Christ that there is no other way to God but through faith in him. We preach Christ, the bread of life, who everyone who comes to him will not hunger, and everyone who drinks of him will never thirst. We preach Christ, the Christ who took upon himself the sins of the world on the cross, who died and three days later rose again. We preach Christ. And not just half of Christ, not just the historical Christ. We preach the fullness of Christ. We preach that he is the love and also that he is holy. That he can come and uh, when he sees a woman who is caught in adultery, he's able not to cast a stone. But when he sees self-righteousness, he is able to cast it down. We see, we preach Christ in love and in holiness. We preach the fullness of Christ in his mercy and his justice. Christ doesn't just wink his eye at sin, yet he is merciful and he extends forgiveness. Christ is just, 
And maybe you get away with the sin here and there. Maybe you get away and you look to the right and to the left to make sure no one's watching. But God is just and he would judge the living, uh, both the small and the great. And he would judge in righteousness and in holiness, the Bible says. We preach Christ who is merciful and who is just. We preach Christ who is good and who is faithful. Not only faithful to us, but faithful to his Father's will. We preach Christ. We preach Christ in his forgiveness and his judgment. We preach the fullness of Christ. We proclaim Christ in the springtime and in the summer, in the fall, and in the winter. We preach him in the morning and in the afternoon and in the evening. If you go to Capricai in Kingsville, we went through uh, the book of Luke the whole year, fall and spring. And if you showed up, they'd ask, why do you keep preaching out of the gospel? Because Kingsville still needs the gospel. We preach him in the morning. We'll preach him in the afternoon. We'll preach him at night. We'll preach him in the summertime and in the fall and in the spring. We need Christ. Friends, if there's any message that America needs today, if there's any message that Bevo needs today, that your family needs today, is that we need Christ. We need his transforming power in our lives. We need his healing power in our lives. We need the Christ of the gospel who is able to speak to the dead and have them rise. Not only literally, but is able to speak to a dead marriage and have it reunited. Who is able to speak to a Christian who feels dry and lonely and uh, afraid. And he's able to speak to them and bring courage and bring boldness and bring life to their uh, uh, lives again, to their study again. We preach Christ. Friends, if there's a message that you and I need to speak, it's that we proclaim Christ. Then the Apostle Paul says that we admonish every man. The word admonish literally means to warn. This is easy to do. This is an easy illustration if you see a house on fire and nobody's outside, but you know people are inside, what are you going to do? Uh, excuse me, your house is on fire? I noticed some smoke. Ring the doorbell. I don't want to be offensive, but... Right. No, that's not what you do, right? Your house is on fire. Get out. Break a window if you have to. Get in. Get them out. Because the house is on fire. It's a warning. But it's so easy to call a warning when you know a house is on fire. It's not so easy when you don't know the house is on fire. I heard a story, and I'll illustrate this. I heard of a story of a young man who was a Christian, and he was going to a Christian school. Um, he was already graduating, maybe much like Bethel. It was going well. He came from a strong Christian background. He had a firm grasp of the word. And when he was uh, graduating, uh, one of his professors came, uh, called him to his office, and he said, uh, I have an evaluation for you, right? He was giving, this professor was giving an evaluation of this young man. And he says, um, in my evaluation or in my estimation of you, I see that on a potential level of from 1 to 10, 10 being very, uh, you have a lot of potential, he said, you're only operating at a 3, that you can do a lot. And you're not doing much. And the young man got, what? What are you talking about? He walks out. But the young man thinks for a while. And he said, out of 22 years of him growing up, this was the first man that called him out. 
it was a warning. This professor was saying, friend, you have a lot to offer God. You can do much for the kingdom, but you're not doing it. And maybe a pastor before, maybe the youth pastor before was afraid to say something. Maybe, maybe they thought, well, if I say something, I don't want to discourage him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to uh, make him feel bad. But nobody took the time, for this young man at least, to say, look, you, have a lot, you can do a lot more and you're not doing it. Maybe some of you tonight, maybe you need to hear that. That you're part of this uh, church in Beville. I, I've heard a lot of good things. They've done a lot. I've, I was, uh, I've visited this church a lot uh, going back a decade, okay, uh, even with y'all's previous pastor. And just the change that y'all have uh, done, it's amazing. It's a testament for what God is doing here in Beeville. And if you're taking the back seat in this uh, change, in this move of God in Beeville, I'm telling you right now, you need to move up. Okay, if you've been sitting in the back row for the last eight months, you need to move up. Okay, if you've been uh, not part of the men's groups, you need to start coming. Maybe some of you need to hear it. Maybe some of these uh, uh, young adults... Y'all need to come to Capricai and y'all need to step it up a little bit. Y'all need to read your Bible. Maybe you're only getting the word on Sunday and Wednesday and the rest of the week you don't really touch it. Friend, I'm telling you right now, by the love of God, we need to get into the word because the word of God is life and pure. And the word of God is the only way we know him and the only way we know his will. I just want to warn somebody tonight. We uh, admonish every man. Christ is coming back. Paul said that the love of God compels us to do so. I, I tell my friends, because we have men's small group for Kapokai back home, and I tell them, if you see me doing something dumb or starting to make a dumb habit, you, you let me know. Okay? If you love me, if you're my friend and my brother in Christ, you let me know. And so as a love, from the love of God, as a brother in Christ, friends, we need to get into the word. We need to get into fellowship. We need to get into prayer. Because these are the things that moved and uh, the power of the Spirit moved the church in the first century. And it's the things that he's wanting to do again uh, today. Not only does, do we admonish people, but we, he says that we teach every man. Uh, now this comes, this hits home for me because I know that the ministry God has given me is a teacher. Um, I'm I've been blessed, uh, really, really blessed by the grace of God. I, I have a bachelor's degree in mathematics, and I have a master's degree in math education. And there was a time in my master's where I wanted to give up. I was like, I'm tired of this. I just want to work. And, uh, you know, in that semester that I said I wanted to give up, uh, God was like, I'm going to change your degree plan, and you only have to do coursework, and then you can graduate. I said, like, thank you, Jesus. Right? So I graduated. And, whoo, praise God, right? And so I'm a teacher. I taught mathematics for a year. But the most important thing that I love to teach is the Word of God. Uh, I, I took a few uh, uh, jumps or shots while I was a teacher. And uh, there was a few times where I would give the gospel in the middle of the class. Not because I started it, but because they asked. And if you're going to ask me that, I'm going to answer. Right? And so... Um, God has put in my heart not only to teach math, but to teach the word of God. I believe that this generation uh, in America, that we need to preach and teach the word of God. Not everybody's a preacher, and I get that. And not everybody's a teacher, and I get that. But you and I need to be able to share the word of God. 
And here, this teaching, uh, the word here that we teach every man, also is a, uh, you can see a glimpse of uh, helping to learn. Now, if you look at the word, uh, if you do a search, even a Google search, uh, or go to BibleGateway.com, type in teaching, and you're going to find the word teaching 80 times in the New Testament. 80 times. And you're mainly going to find them in the Gospels and in Acts. This was a major ministry of Jesus, and this was a major ministry of the early church, is that they went from house to house teaching the Word of God. This was something close and dear to to Christ's heart. And I I like to say uh, when I teach that Jesus didn't teach in the lecture hall. He didn't teach in the classroom. How many of you like lectures? Uh, Not really, right? Uh, uh, Jesus knew that, and so Jesus didn't teach in the lecture hall. He didn't teach in the lab. Uh, Jesus taught in the lab. Okay, and let me give an illustration. In John chapter 6, we'll see the story when Jesus feeds 5,000 people, right? And while he was there in this, uh, in this chapter, we, we see that there's a lot of people around him. He's been uh, preaching, and it's getting late, and the disciples are thinking, we need to send them home. And so Jesus asked, uh, y'all need to feed them. And he did it, it says in John 6, that he asked knowing what he was going to do. And so he, uh, he tells them to feed the 5,000. And in the middle of this, Andrew uh, comes to Jesus and he's like, I found this kid's lunch. He had five uh, loaves of bread and two fish. What can we do with this, right? Andrew stole a kid's lunch. Okay, maybe he didn't steal it, but. He got it somehow, right? And Jesus breaks it. He gives thanks, and he feeds 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And he gives the lesson later that he was the bread of life, and everyone who comes to him will not hunger, and everyone who drinks of him will not thirst. They learned the lesson feeding the 5,000. That's how they got the lesson. And the understanding came afterward. Maybe that has to be uh, true for some of you, uh, which is why I'm really glad I saw in the announcements before service, y'all have a men's group. I think small groups are the greatest thing uh, that God has given to the church because it's that small group where you learn from experience, okay? I, I haven't had all the experiences in the world. I haven't been through all types of different things in the world. I've been through some things in, the, in my life, but there's going to be things that you learn or that God gives you that he hasn't given me yet. And if I'm able to learn from your experience, then we are able to grow together. If you're able to learn from my experience, then we're able to grow, which is why I believe that small groups are such a huge deal. It's because it's where we learn and grow together. It's when the men can link arms and encourage one another to move forward and stir each other on to love and good works. It's where the women can come together and encourage one another and encourage the young women to follow God and to serve Him. It's where uh, the youth can stimulate one another into preaching the gospel in the high schools and the middle schools of Beville and in Kingsville and in every surrounding city small groups and fellowship is where we learn and then we can come to the uh to uh, pastor isaac and ask him pastor this happened i know the bible says about this but what does it mean and then you can have pastor isaac teach you but it's living by example it's living life together is how we teach every man not everyone likes to be in the lecture hall 
Everyone loves to be in the lab. I like to blow things up, right? I like when things light on fire or when things smell really bad afterward, right? It's fun. That's life, and that's how we teach every man. And I just I want to finish with uh, this last thing, that we, we admonish and we teach and we preach Christ to every man, every person, every man, every woman, every child, we preach Christ to every person. Nobody is excluded. People think of Christianity as an exclusive um, religion. And in a sense, it's true. Because we exclude everything that God excludes. But we include everyone that God includes. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And because God so loved the world, we preach and admonish to every man. It doesn't matter if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter uh, your social uh, status. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your race or your background or your family history. We preach Christ to every man. It doesn't matter where you find yourself now or where you found yourself 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago. We preach Christ to every man because every man needs Christ. Amen. We preach Christ to all humanity. So that we can bring all men to be complete in Christ. Here this word is a a consummation of human integrity. A completeness. A wholeness. A perfectness in Christ. You might say, but Brother Lucas, we're never going to be perfect. While that may be true, yet we are perfect in Christ. Because of who he is. Because he is the son of God. Because he is the savior of the world. Because he has completed the will of God. We are complete. We are perfect. We are mature in Christ. And when we come together as the body of Christ to admonish one another and to teach one another and to preach Christ to one another, we grow into the maturity and the completeness of Christ. And I want to encourage you tonight to continue uh, stimulating and stirring one another onto love and good deeds through the preaching of Christ, through the admonishing in Christ and the teaching in Christ with all the wisdom that the Spirit of God will give you to reach the high schools, to reach the middle schools, to reach the college, to reach your workplace. I want to encourage you to seek the wisdom of God and the Spirit of God and to give us clear strategies on how to reach these uh, people in our community. Don't be shy. Don't back down. But now is the time to press forward, proclaiming Christ in the workplace, in the school, and in the home. I want to encourage you uh, tonight with this word that we proclaim Christ. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Josh if he wants to come uh, and lead us in worship. And uh, I want to open up the altar. Um, and we'll have a, I've, I've heard that we have prayer time here in Beeville. And so we're going to have prayer time tonight. Um, and let this be a time, maybe, maybe you've been shying away. Maybe you've been, um, you've been missing small group or life group for the men or for the women or for the youth or for young adults. Come back. Come back to it. Maybe you've been uh, slacking in your reading of the word. And friend, I admonish you in the love of Jesus to get back into the word. Maybe you've been slacking on uh, being a priest in your household, men, and I want to encourage you to man up and take that mantle again. Uh, be in Christ and lead your family, lead your wife, lead your children uh, in the word of God. I, 
uh, I tell uh, some of my friends in our church back at home in Kingsville that let's make the living room a living room again. Not just TV, not just video games, not just movies, but a room where we can live and uh, read the word of God together to grow as a family and as couples. Or even if you're single, by yourself, to read the word and grow and get ready uh, for the season that God has for you. If you would stand on your feet, I'm going to pray to close this out. And as uh, Brother Josh uh, leads us in worship uh, with Pastor George's permission, I just want to open the altar and give you all an opportunity to come and present your requests to God. Who the Bible says, he said, call to me and I will answer. He didn't say I might or he didn't say I probably will. He said, if you call to me, I will answer you. And friends, I just want to encourage you tonight with this word that we, we don't preach a dead Christ. We don't preach a Christ that is still on the cross. We preach the living Christ and we serve the living, the living Christ, the son of the living God. Father, I thank you tonight for your great mercy that you have on us. I thank you, God, for your grace because we have a living hope because your, your hope, God, hasn't run out Your salvation, God, it hasn't run dry. Your spirit, God, still moves and lives and breathes in us and through us. God, I pray that every heart that is discouraged tonight would be lifted up. Every heart that is broken, God, that you would mend it. Every family, God, that is struggling, that you would be their strength and their foundation. Lord, I ask that you would minister to each one according to their need. We love you, Lord. We thank you because you hear us and you never abandon us. In your name we pray. Amen.